All right, good. That's wonderful to hear. Uh, my name is Pastor Derek Parks. Uh, again, I have the privilege of serving as the lead pastor here at uh, Epiphany Church, and I'm so grateful to the Lord uh, to be able to serve you guys in this way. Um, and so let me just do a quick thing. Uh, yesterday, we had our, don't worry about that, it's just the kids upstairs dancing, don't worry about that. It's like, it's so good to have the kids back up there, right? Yeah. So don't be complaining to me about the noise and all that stuff. I don't want to hear it. Listen, these kids are upstairs. They, they're not in your lap. <laughs> uh, so I want to take a quick second um, just to thank again all the volunteers who came out yesterday for our Good in the Hood event. It was a wonderful, wonderful success. Give yourselves a hand, y'all. Give yourselves a hand. And so um, we got to serve so many people in our community uh, there were so many kids out there just having a blast. Uh, Taylor was over there leading the dance troupe. <laughs> they were having a good, good time over there. And so uh, it, it's, it's one of the ways that we seek to serve um, in our community. Um, and, and that's very, very important for us is because we believe here in uh, what we call leveraging our work. And so uh, leveraging our work for us is about us making a difference. Um, in our community and in our world. And so yesterday we were able to leverage our work, leverage all the gifts that God has given to each one of us. Uh, like Rachel was on that cotton candy machine, just like twisting and twirling cotton candy. She had cotton candy all over her pants and everywhere. It was, it was incredible. <laughs> and so uh, we just got an opportunity to serve out there. Um, and, you know, one of the, the gentlemen who lived on the corner um, he was very he was just so thankful that somebody cared about the community enough to come and just bring some joy to the community and so man that warms my heart when i hear stuff like that uh and i hope that it warms yours too to know that the work that you're doing is not in vain right god is using you guys and he's using you uh to make a difference here in our great city okay um so give yourselves a hand again for yesterday good in the hood event and so um Sort of apropos to that, right, we're, today's message, uh, we've been walking through a sermon series called Marked. Um, and in this series, we're talking about what it looks like to be called by the Savior. What it looks like to be called by the Savior. And so I've been walking us through, um, and w w some of the things that we've been talking about is that being called by the Savior means that you're a disciple of Jesus. Uh, and disciples have three primary purposes as they're following Jesus. The first purpose is that, that they get to be with Jesus. Uh, that, that's really good, is that we get to be with Jesus as disciples of Jesus. Now, not everybody has the ability to be with Jesus, but because of the work that Jesus accomplished on the cross and us, have, and us believing in faith, uh, we get to participate in a relationship with Jesus that, that some people don't get to. And so uh, we get to be with Jesus as a primary purpose. The next purpose is, is that we get to become like Jesus. Anybody want to be like Jesus in here? I do. I don't want to just be like people and famous people that I like, like it was growing up, like you wanted to be like Mike and all that. Like you get to be like Jesus and it's possible. <laughs> and then the last thing, the last purpose of being a disciple is that you do what Jesus did. 
Like, that makes sense, right? You do what Jesus did. I hope it makes sense. This is the fourth week. It's like, you do what Jesus did, right? And so, <laughs> like, there are four things that Jesus did, and we've been walking this out throughout this series. The first one is that Jesus gathered people, and he gathered with people. And so week one, we said that we were called to gather. We, the, the second thing that Jesus did is that he invited people to repent for the coming kingdom was at hand. And so week two, we said that we're called to invite we're called to invite people, not just the church, right? That's just a vehicle. But we're called to invite people into new life in Christ. And so we, we, we talked about that. That's one of the things that we're marked by. Last week, we talked about this one, is that the third thing Jesus did is that he gave up his life for the benefit of others, and he was generous. And so we said last week that, hey, we're called to give. Uh, and so we're called to give of our time, our talent, and our treasure, and all those things. And then this week, I want us to see this, is that the fourth thing Jesus did is that he served those who should have been serving him. He served those who should have been serving him. And so for the last installment of this series, I got a message for you today titled, Called to Serve. Called to Serve. And I'll be in Matthew chapter 20 today. Matthew chapter 20, verses 26 through 28. Matthew chapter 20, verses 26 through 28. If you've got your Bibles, turn there. Um, I like paper. I use my paper Bible. This is my preaching Bible. I just I leave this one here. I don't even take it home. But I, I like paper and like to use this just so I can see it. But if not, you've got your, your iPhone, and you can use that too, unless you have some other version of a phone. That we won't mention. Y'all hype because y'all can FaceTime with us now and stuff like that too. Like y'all, y'all extra hype. So, <laughs> I digress. <laughs> if not, we'll have it up here for you on the screens, all right? So Matthew chapter 20, verses 26 through 28. Hear the words of our Father. Jesus says to them, he says, it must not be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. I'll read that again. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Verse 27, whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. And just as the Son of Man, listen to this, did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Pray with me. Father, I pray by your spirit today, God, that you would lead us and guide us into truth. Father, help us today as we dive into your word. And Father, I pray by your spirit, God, that you would teach us this morning. God, teach us about what it means to be called to serve. Teach us this morning about what it means to give up our lives uh, teach us this morning, God, how to submit our hearts and our minds to the word of God. And so, Father, it's in that same spirit that I pray that you would stand in my body and think through my mind and speak through my mouth and let the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my Lord, my strength, and my Redeemer. And everyone said, Amen. A great violinist, he wielded his marvelous violin across Genoa 
And he gave it away at the end of his life to a museum. And under one condition, he said, the violin must never be played. Now, that's curious that this wonderful instrument that he used to make beautiful music for people, his last will was that it not be touched or played. The problem was, was that the wood of such an instrument, while being used and handled, it only wears slightly. But when you set it aside to sit, it begins to decay. Now, this lovely violin, now today, is just a worm-eaten, useless relic. And this is true for so many of us. We believe that our stuff is too valuable, so we don't serve. Our time is too valuable, so we don't serve. Our priorities are too valuable, so we don't serve. Our schedules and our plans are too valuable, so we don't serve. But I want to submit to you today like that violin, is that a Christian's willingness to serve, uh, excuse me, uh, that a Christian's unwillingness to serve may soon destroy their capacity for usefulness. Just like that violin, it, 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 the, the, the less it was in use, the, the more it sat, the more it just sat in that display, the more unuseful it became. And the same is true for us. God has given each and every one of us gifts. He's given each and every one of us talents and things that he wants us to use to serve the body of Christ, to serve the world. And when we are unwilling to serve, our capacity for usefulness begins to decay. And so follow me as we look in Matthew chapter 20, verse 26, and see what God is calling for us when he says that we are called to serve. Verse 26, it says, it must not be like that among you. Jesus is dealing with the controversy that had arisen with his disciples. Uh, the, the, the mother of, of James and John, they had come to Jesus and was talking all this, like, I want him to sit at your right hand and him to sit at your left hand and all that kind of stuff like that. And like any good mama would, she was trying to help her sons, you know, elevate to levels of prosperity and all that kind of stuff like that and prestige because she was a good mama. And so Jesus turns to her and he says, listen, I don't know if you know what you're asking for. I don't know if you understand what it is that you're asking me because to sit at my right hand first, that's, that's the right hand of the Father first, that's not even mine to give. But with that comes a level of suffering that you don't even understand. And then he goes and he says, listen, some in the world, here's what they do. They, they lord it over people when, when they're in charge, when they're great. They, they lord it over people. But Jesus says, it must not be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great, listen to this, you must be a servant. Whoever wants to become great, you must be a servant. Now, that's counterintuitive. Like, like most things that Jesus said, right, it's counterintuitive, it's paradoxical, right? In order to become great, then you must be a servant. In order to become first, you must be last. Jesus had a whole bunch of those things. But this passage here is teaching us a, a, a quintessential lesson here is that serving here 
is about what you take delight in. This idea here says that, that it must not be that way among you because whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. This idea of wanting, it talks about, about being determined or, or about something, but it also talks about the things that you take delight in. And so serving is about what you take delight in. Do you take delight in success? Do you take delight in prestige? Do you take delight in comfort? And so for some of us, and I know I'm not getting a whole lot of amens this morning, but for some of us, right, the reality is this, is that when we take assessment of what we delight in, when we take assessment of the things that we're drawn to, the things that we wish for, the things that we desire, and we try to line those things up with the word of God and the scriptures, we oftentimes fall short. And that's a us. That's not a y'all. That's a us. But he says here, the one who wants to become great, here's what they have to do. They must become a servant. Wanting to become great. This idea is that serving, when, when, when you talk about becoming, it's, it's talking about causing you to be great, right? It's talking about you, 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 you being in a position where you could become great. And so here's what this idea I want you to capture is this, is that serving will determine your place in history. See, so many people, they, 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 wanna, they want to do great things because they want their name to be great. Like, at the end of their days, like, they want to be remembered. Like, we, my wife and I, we, we love history, and so we've been going around to the uh, DuPont museums, right? And we've been seeing, like, all these elaborate homes and all this stuff like that. We went to Winchester on Friday, and we saw all of the stuff. He, like, he turned his house into a museum, like, I couldn't turn my house into a museum. Like, it would, it'd be corny. He'd just be like, oh, that was quick. <laughs> but, like, he turned his house into a museum. And, and when you think about that, like, most of us, like, we have this mentality in this heart and mind is that we want to become great just like that. We want people to remember us. We want to leave our mark on the world. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But the, the, the challenge that I want to submit to you today is that the only way for you to become great is not by serving yourself, but by serving others. If you truly want to make a mark on the world, if you truly want to make a mark on humanity, then you have to learn how to serve others. Jesus teaches us. He's saying, listen, whoever wants to become great. Whoever wants to be mega, right, that's what that word is in, in the Greek, whoever wants to be mega, right, whoever, whoever wants to be a person of, of, of eminent ability and virtue and authority and power, that person has to learn how to serve. I want you to understand this. Serving will display your ability. Serving will display your power. Serving is the thing that will display your virtue and your authority. See, oftentimes we like to do stuff to, to show our authority and show our power. <laughs> but but, but we, we miss the reality is that Jesus is teaching us and he's instructing the disciples in this passage is that if you want your authority and your power to be on display, then you better learn how to serve somebody else. Don't make a sense to you guys this morning. I think the reality for us that gets missed is this, is that when we look in our culture, so much of our culture is about serving ourselves. 
So much of our culture is about serving us. Put yourself on a platform. Elevate yourself. Elevate your brand. Because ain't nobody else going to do it. And all of our lives are spent around serving ourselves. But the scripture is calling us, family. It's calling us that if we're going to be great, if we're going to make a mark in the world, if we're going to display our authority and our power, then we have to learn how to serve. Here's what I want you to see. Serving displays the marks of God within you. See, we, 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 we get it twisted up. Like, we get it twisted and think, like, listen, if, if I just do big stuff, right, if I do big things, right, because we all trying to do big things, right, uh, and all that kind of stuff. But when, when we start to serve other people, we start showing off the marks of God in us. Like, when we start to serve, like, and, and Jesus teaches us, he says, listen, I didn't come to serve. I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for, for many people. And here's what I need you to see about being a servant is this, is that a servant, as it's defined here, is one, watch this, who executes the commands of another. A servant is one who executes the commands of another. Another definition, when I was looking this up for this, for this word here, it, it, it was a definition for a waiter. And so I started thinking about that, and I started thinking about waiters, you know, because Epiphany, we be going to restaurants. Half of y'all going to be at Santa Fe right after church. Y'all going to go out somewhere to eat. Y'all going to do it. But I started thinking about that. What is a waiter? Like, what, what does a waiter actually do? And so when I thought about it, I realized that a waiter doesn't cook your food. A waiter only presents to you the food that has been prepared by another. And so when we're called to be servants, listen, we think so many times is that we got to cook something up for people. We think so many times that we, that we got to prepare something and build something and do something new and, and, and something innovative and all that kind of stuff like that. But the reality is, is that all we have to do is take the food that has been prepared and serve it to people. That, that's all we got to do when we're called to be servants is to take the food that has already been prepared and place it on their table so that they can receive the goodness that has been prepared for them. And that's what serving does. When you serve in the kingdom of God, it's like bringing a gourmet plate to somebody and placing it in front of them. And you take the cover off and say, look at the goodness of my God. See, we have to learn that being a, a servant or being a waiter means that you, you don't cook any of the food. <laughs> but what it does mean is that you go around and you, and you, and you go into people's lives and, and you start checking in with people and asking them about how good is the food. See, see one, of the, one of the things that we, that we miss and we forget is that we think we got to have all these fantastic strategies for inviting people into life with Jesus and, and to inviting people into relationship with him. But simply, sometimes the only question you got to ask people is, how's your relationship with the Lord? How's your relationship with Jesus? And, and that gets people to talking because, you know, listen, when they come around and ask you, how's the food? You'd be like, well, you know. The, the peas was a little was a little a little moist, like or whatever. I don't know what peas be because I don't like peas, but peas was a little nasty. Like I didn't I didn't really care for the peas. And then we can start to talk with people and 
and, and, and prepare things for people. And, and listen, sometimes when the food comes out and, and, and the food doesn't taste good to them, here's what the waiter does. The waiter says, hold on, let me go talk to the chef real quick. And so they'll go back and talk to the chef for you. And, you, and, and, and being a servant sometimes means that you go back and talk to the chef on people's behalf. And, and you start praying for people. And you start asking God to do things in people's lives because they're a little bit jaded because the things haven't worked out how they wanted them to work out. But, but listen, I'm going to serve you in this way. Is that I'm going to get down on my knees and cry out to the Father on your behalf. I'm going to go talk to the chef for you to find out how we can get this meal to taste a little better for you. And so, listen, I need us to see this, is that our service doesn't present our mastery. It presents the mastery of God to others. So, listen, and I want to help you. I don't care how well you can sing. Your gift to sing, it, it, it doesn't present your mastery. It presents the mastery of God to others. I don't care how well you administrate. It doesn't matter. When you administrate and you use the gift that God has given to you, you use that to present the mastery of God to other people. I don't care how well you can preach. It doesn't matter because you're not presenting your mastery. Listen, and listen to me. I study, right? I read. I do a lot of stuff to prepare to preach this. But when I get up here on, on Sunday morning, my prayer is, is that y'all won't see me, but y'all will see the mastery of God being presented to you. And so here's what, here, here's what we got to see. Is here's what God has prepared. He's prepared himself. First John, John 3.16 says this. He says, this is how we have come to know love, is that he has laid down his life for us. He has laid down his own life for us. And that is the thing that God has prepared for us, family. We serve because we understand that what we're serving is we're serving what God has prepared for people, and he has prepared himself. We, 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 we got to get this in our hearts and in our minds because so many times we, we, we don't serve because we think it's about us. Like we, we won't serve and we won't use our gifts and our talents and all that stuff because we think it's about us. But it's not. It's not about us, family. It's about us presenting the greatest of all time to people who are hurting and struggling and without hope. Verse 27, I'll keep going. He says this. He says, and whoever wants to be first among you, here's what they got to do. They must be your slave. Again, this idea, this desire, like whoever desires or delights in being first, uh, uh, that, that first is, of, is first in rank and influence and honor, but also first of importance. This person, whoever desires that, they must be your slave. Now, that word is hard, right? <laughs> You don't want to be nobody's slave. I know I don't. I don't want to be nobody's slave. Like, and look, we talk about it, all the implications of that here in our culture and in America and slavery and all that kind of stuff like that. We'll talk about it. But the reality is this, is that we don't want to be nobody's slave. But here's what a slave is. This, this, this beautiful word here in Greek, this, this word doulos, is, is, is defined as one who gives himself to the will of another. 
And so here's what the reality is, is that when we when we become slaves first, right, we're, we're slaves to God, right? When we become his slave, here's what we do. We give up of ourselves to his will. And here's the will of God. The will of God is that many and any might come to know him and be saved. And so when we serve, here's what we get to do. We get to clear things out of the way so that God can reach people. When we serve, we get to move stuff out of the way. Think of the busboy. The busboy comes and he clears that table off, gets those dirty dishes out the way. And, and they come and they set the table again. The waiter comes, sets the table so that you got new napkin, new knife, new fork all in front of you so that you can eat your food and all that kind of stuff. But what we get to do is when we serve is we get to clear stuff out of the way so that people can meet God. I want to help you. Minister Cam stands out of that door and greets people every single week. The reason he does it is so that he can clear stuff out of the way so that when you come in, you can meet Jesus. When he stands at the door and he greets you and he says, hello, welcome, how are you? This is clearing stuff out of the way. When the worship team comes up here and they sing as beautifully as they sang today, they're just clearing stuff out of the way, helping you to get that stuff that's out of your heart, the stuff that's weighing you down, the stuff that's holding you bound, help to move that stuff out the way so that you can hear from God in a unique and special and powerful way. And so family, we, when we become his slave, when we recognize that we're slaves of God, here's what we get to understand, is that we are devoted to his will and his desire regardless of our own interest. See, that's the thing we got to talk about is because we're so self-interested. We're so self-interested. Like, we, we got so many things that fit within our categories about things that are of first importance. We have so many things within our categories that, that are of first rank in our lives. But Jesus is making an argument in this passage. He's saying, no, no, no. Stop chasing that stuff. Stop chasing that stuff that, that, that you're self-interested in. Stop chasing that stuff and learn how to be a servant. Verse 28 Jesus says this. He says, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. Jesus is saying. Do exactly what I do. That's what he's telling us here. Just as the son of man, he's saying, do what I do. So just as the son of man, who's the son of man? It's Jesus, right? But why does Jesus refer to himself like this? Let me teach you for one moment. Jesus referred to himself as the son of man. And he's, he's referred to as the son of man 88 times in the New Testament. In fact, the son of man is Jesus's primary title for himself. Now, I want you to see this again. Son of man is a title of humanity. That's number one. Uh, the other titles for, for, G, for Christ, like Son of God, right, those are overt and they're focused about his deity. But Son of Man focuses on the humanity of Christ. And so th there were others who were called Son of Man, right? But, but Jesus, him being referred to as a, as a Son of Man, points to the fact 
that he was truly human when he came in the flesh. The next thing that son of man is, is the title of humility. Listen to this. The second person of the, of the Trinity, eternal in nature, left heaven's glory, took on human flesh to become the son of man, born in a manger, despised and rejected by men. The son of man who had no place to lay his head. The son of man who ate and drank with sinners. The son of man who suffered at the hands of men that he created. The son of man who intentionally, listen to this, intentionally lowered his status from the king of heaven to the son of man is the epitome of humility. And so if we're going to be humble, we got to be like Jesus. Next, Son of Man is a title of deity. Listen to this. Ezekiel, although he, he was one of the people who was referred to as the Son of Man, but Jesus is the Son of Man. Here's what I mean. As such, like, Jesus is a, is a, he's a supreme example of all that God has intended mankind to be. He, he, he is the embodiment of everything that God intended man to be, of truth and grace. And in him is the fullness of all deity. And for this reason, the Son of Man was for able to forgive sins. For this reason, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. For this reason, the Son of Man came to save lives that were lost and to raise from the dead and to say from now on that when you see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Almighty One coming down with the clouds, you're going to see him with power. And so these, these, these disciples who were asking to sit at the right hand of the Father, they didn't realize that that was a place that was already reserved for Jesus. And so, so many times when we're pursuing after prestige, so many times when we're pursuing after being great, we don't realize that we are pursuing after something that was only and already reserved for Jesus. And so the Son of Man here, here's the last one. It's, it's the fulfillment of prophecy. Listen to this. Jesus' claim, and this is a claim he made before the high priest before, is a reference to the prophecy in Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 through 14. Here's what it says. It says, in the vision at night, I looked, and there was before me one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. And he approached the Ancient of Days, and he was led into his presence. Listen to this. It says, and he was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples and all nations and men of every language worship him. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion that will never pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. So Daniel, in his vision, he saw the son of man with glory, worship, and, and an everlasting kingdom being given to the Messiah and then Jesus shows up on the scene declaring that he's the son of man and applying that prophecy to himself. And so here's what I want you to get. And this is the point of why I went through all that to teach you about the son of man is this, is that you're serving. Because remember, Jesus is saying in this passage, just as the son of man, right, he's saying to you to do exactly what I do. So just as the son of man came not to be served. But to serve and to give his life as a ransom, Jesus is calling us to serve others. And here's the reality is that your serving is prophetic. I need to see this. Your serving shows that Jesus has all authority. Your serving shows 
that Jesus has all glory over your abilities. Your serving shows that Jesus has all power over everything that competes against his power in your lives. See, when you serve others, when you serve other people, you're prophesying that Jesus has control over everything in my life. When you give up of your time, your talent, your treasure to serve other people, when you don't elevate your schedule and your priorities and your plans above serving other people, you begin to prophesy that Jesus, the Son of Man, has all authority, that Jesus, the Son of Man, has all power, that Jesus, the Son of Man, has all authority, that Jesus, the Son of Man, has a kingdom that's everlasting. That's why we don't concern ourselves so much with what's going on here, because we know that there is a kingdom after this. (laughs) We know that there is a kingdom after this, and we we get to serve in his kingdom, and that kingdom that's coming is an eternal kingdom. And here's here's the reality, and I'm closing. You can come. He says, I didn't come to serve to be to be served, but to serve. Serving shows that you have your expectations right. Serving shows that you have your expectations straight. Serving shows, because here's what this word to be served means, it means to be waited upon. Serving shows that you don't have an expectation of being waited upon. So many of us do. How many of us have an expectation of being waited upon? of being taken care of. That's even how we choose our church. We choose churches based on the amenities that they have. We choose churches based on the affinity groups that are within the church that we want to attend. Are there any young people here at this church? <laughs> there are. But we, 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 we pick churches like that. We pick churches like How's, how's our children's ministry? We pick churches like that. Because we have an expectation that being in the body of Christ means that we get to be served. But the reality, family of God, is that being in the body of Christ means that you get to give up of yourself. That you get to give up of your life others. Listen, Jesus says, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. And to give my life as a ransom for many. Jesus' service was necessary. So our service is necessary. And and here's the crux of it. Here's what I want to drive home for you. That Jesus says, I didn't come to be served, but I came to give my life as a ransom. That word life there talks about the vital force of your life. It talks about the breath that's within you. So I, I need you to see this. Is that service may cost you. Serving in the kingdom of God 
is not always convenient. Sometimes it costs you some stuff. My right ankle is on fire from yesterday. <laughs> Probably because I was trying to dance with them kids with Taylor. <laughs> Doing the Cupid shuffle and all that. But my ankle's on fire. <laughs> and I'm saying that jokingly, but sometimes, listen, service may cost you something. And Jesus says this, is that ultimately, service may cost you your life. you mean I'm going to die? No. <laughs> Not in all instances. Some of our brothers and sisters from across the world are dying for their service to Christ. But the majority of times what this is talking about is like you put aside yourself. Like you put aside yourself, you put aside your own desires, your own will, you put that stuff aside and you make a declaration, a prophetic declaration that Jesus has all authority in your life. So guess what? I'll serve. I'll serve in the parking lot if that means that I get to point people to Jesus. I'll serve at the front door if that means I get to point people to Jesus. I'll serve with the children if that means I get to free somebody up so that they can focus to hear the word and so that they might receive Jesus. I'll serve up here singing on the worship team if that means that, that I can point somebody to Jesus. I'll serve in hospitality if that means that, that I can open up a door for somebody to meet Jesus. I'll use everything that I've got to serve Jesus so that I can get out of the way so that he might be glorified. This idea of a ransom, I need you to see this. First John chapter 3, verse 16 again. It says, this is how we have come to know love, and that he has laid down his life for us. Listen to this. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. That's how we know love. But this ransom here, it's a, it talks about being liberated. It's the, the price for redeeming and all that. But Jesus' service, hear me, his service has liberated us all. And he's liberated us from misery and death. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, you are now free. In Christ because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross you are no longer bound to your former slave master which was sin so many of us were were slaves to sin every one of us was a slave to sin and we've been converted from that to being slaves to God but the difference is because there is a difference. Is that God is a wonderful master. He doesn't abuse you. He doesn't use you up. He's a wonderful master. And just like his service liberated us from misery and the pain and penalty of sin and death, God is calling us to use our service to aid in somebody else being delivered from the misery of sin and death.
So as I close, I got three things for you. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 7 says this. It says, serve with a good attitude as to the Lord and not to people. That verse is to take away your excuse about serving. Well, I don't want, I would serve, but you know, people. That's what we do. You know, people, I ain't, I ain't fooling with them. That's okay. Serve with a good attitude as to the Lord and not to people. Minister Cam got cussed out the other week in the parking lot. He was trying to direct people. Somebody cussed him out. But it wasn't for them. He was serving as unto the Lord. And that might happen in your life. The people you seek to serve, they may not care at first. They may even cuss you out. But you're doing it as unto the Lord. So here's my three points. These things you can write down. Those who are marked, they serve with a good attitude. We're inviting everybody to begin to serve, and we're, we're, we just started meeting again back in June, and um, we were away for, what, 14, 15 months of not meeting in person, and so we're praying and asking God to help us build it back up again, right, build build the church back up, and and and, and, and here's my specific prayer. Y'all pray this with me. I, I'm, I'm praying for less... I'm praying for more conversions and less church slots. Because sometimes what happens when churches grow, right, is because people from over there start coming over here. We don't want that. We want to grow by conversion. We want people meeting Jesus and then entering into a life-giving relationship with other brothers and sisters in a church. I'm cool with people who come from different places and come to this church. I'm cool with that. But we want to see this church grow through conversions. People meeting Jesus and then getting it with each other. That's what we want to see. So pray with me in that. So serve God with, serve with a good attitude. Serve as to the Lord. And serve for the benefit of others. When you do that, you know you're marked. When you can do that, you know you're marked. And so, family, we're praying that the Lord would work in your hearts, that he would impress on you, like, an area where you could serve. And so, sometimes we get confused about, like, the context of that. When I sit there, I don't, I, I, I do, I don't just mean, like, figure out something you could do in the church, right? That's part of it. That's only part of it. But when I talk about serving, I, I'm talking about ways in which you can use your lives to bless other people. And so let, let's let's begin praying about that. Let's begin seeking the Lord. But also, like, figure out a way that you can do that here. So that you can serve so that people, again, when people come in the door, because we're praying for conversions, new converts coming in here. So that when you serve, you get to move stuff out the way so that people can meet Jesus. Is that okay? All right. Father, I pray by your spirit, God, that you would lead us, guide us today. By your spirit, Jesus, thank you for your word, God, your word that you promised does not go out void, but it accomplishes what it was set out to do. 
And so, God, it is in that same spirit, God, that I pray, God, that when we, that the words that we've heard today, we would respond by saying, Lord, help us to obey. And so, Father, it's in the name of Jesus that I pray these things, knowing that you are the greatest servant of all time. <laughs> You've taught us how to serve because you gave up your life for us. And this is how we know love. Christ gave up his life for us. Let us give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen. Family, let's prepare our hearts for communion. Lady T, come up here with me, please. Um,